السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد uh, If someone can just please give me a quick sound check just make sure the sound's okay inshallah as I begin uh, if someone could just kindly post them into the into the comments, that would be greatly appreciated. Jazakallah khairan. So inshallah ta'ala, today we're going to continue with our tafsir of Surah Al-Tariq. Uh, and inshallah ta'ala, today we are covering the uh, verses 11 and 12, ta'ala, and possibly 13 as well. Um, and inshallah ta'ala, before we do that, we'll recap over what we did last week. And we covered last week verses number 9 and 10. So verse number 9 was the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, يَوْمَ تُبْلَ On the day when secrets are laid bare. And we said that that verse was connected to the verses that came before it, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the resurrection and so on and so forth. Uh, we mentioned that in detail a couple of weeks back. Allah azza wa jal in verse number 9, then he says on the day when secrets are laid bare, meaning the day of Yom al-Qiyamah. And we said that the scholars of tafsir, or many of them, or a number of them, uh, they said, for example, that the sarair, or the secrets that are laid bare, uh, they gave the examples of fasting and prayer and bathing, bathing for major ritual impurity. And we said that the meaning of this verse, therefore, as mentioned by Ibn al-Qayyim, Sheikh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, and others from amongst the scholars of tafsir, is that Allah will expose that which people kept hidden in this world. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests people in terms of their beliefs and Allah azza wa jal will expose people in terms of their actions, their worship and Allah azza wa jal will expose people in terms of their interactions and the way that they dealt with others and what it means is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring forth what they had in their hearts, what they had hidden within their hearts Allah azza wa jal will expose that on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and so uh, those people uh, are all those people that Allah will judge and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge everyone Allah will judge them based upon not only their apparent deeds and actions that were known to people that were seen and witnessed by others but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would also judge them based upon their hidden deeds and their hidden actions and their intentions that no one knew about and the reality of the state of their hearts and Allah will make that clear and apparent as well on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and then Allah in verse number 10, He says, فَمَا لَهُ مِنْ قُوَّةٍ وَلَا نَاصِرٍ So on that day, none will have power or anyone, he will have no power and no one to help him. And we said that means, قُوَّةٍ uh, is, as some of the scholars of Tafsir said, refers to your internal strength, meaning what you are able to do yourself. So a person on Yawm Al-Qiyamah will not have the power or the ability or the strength within themselves to ward off the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or to withstand what Allah Azza wa Jalla has prepared for them of torment, and nor will they have any nasir, any external helper. No one will come to their aid, no one will come to their assistance, no one will stand between them and Allah Azza wa Jalla, or between them and the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but rather they will be punished on that day as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands and as Allah Azza wa Jalla wishes subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also last week I asked a question, um, concerning the verse uh, number 9 and we were speaking about the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala veils people 
in this dunya, the believers in terms of their sins, and how Allah Azza wa Jal therefore will veil those sins on Yawm al Qiyam and forgive them as well. But then we said that Allah Azza wa Jal also mentions that He will, or is mentioned in the Quran and in the Sunnah, that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala will also punish certain people. And he will punish them in a way that is very open and very public. And I asked for some examples of this, uh, if anyone had any examples. So I can see that uh, uh, Rafi has said the hadith of the scholar, the martyr, and the person who did a lot of charity who will be exposed for their wrong intentions and they will be thrown into the fire. So that's a good example. That's a good example. Um, the hadith, I think, which is, which is well known, uh, which is well known to, to most of us. The hadith of the Prophet وسلم, in which he spoke about from amongst the first people that Allah Azza wa Jal will judge on Yawm Al Qiyamah. Uh, and he said وسلم, that from amongst them, as, as, as is mentioned here, uh, from amongst them are these three people. Uh, and one is the scholar or the one who recited the Quran, but he didn't do it for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. And the other one is the one who was making jihad or fighting the path of Allah but they weren't doing it for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal and the third one is the one who gives a great deal of charity but again they weren't doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, and there are other examples as well so last week we gave the example of the the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam in which he mentioned the one who commits treachery and how Allah Azza wa Jal will on Yawm Al-Qiyam as the Prophet mentioned sallallahu wasallam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will place upon him a flag that will name him and say that this is the treachery of so-and-so, the son of so-and-so. Uh, another example of this is, uh, or another, and I will just give a few examples, but there are many, and I think that it's an interesting uh, thing to gather throughout the sunnah uh, and the Quran, by the way. Uh, those verses that speak about uh, how publicly some people will be shamed and humiliated on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And what I'm looking for is those ahadith or those verses of the Qur'an that specifically say that they will be brought upon or in front of all of creation or they will be made to be shown amongst the people on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and they will be punished on that day. So another example of this is the hadith in the Muslim of Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, the hadith of Abu Umamah uh, or rather the hadith of Sahal ibn Hunayf radiyallahu anhu he said that the Prophet وسلم, said that from those people who will be brought in front of all of creation on the Day of Judgment and punished as the one who at the time of at the time that he was meant to, or someone was meant to help a fellow Muslim, they instead humiliated them. Instead of helping another Muslim at that time, they humiliated them, meaning they oppressed them, even though they had the ability to come to their assistance and come to their help. The Prophet says that person will be humiliated before in front of all of the people by Allah Azza wa Jal on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So that's an example of that. Um, another example uh, of that is uh, the one who shows off, uh, does something by which he is seen or heard, but not for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal, in order to garner the praise and the admiration of others. Uh, it's mentioned in the hadith of Mu'adh radiyallahu anhu that the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the one who does this in this dunya, Allah Azza wa Jal will uh, humiliate him on the day of judgment in front of all of creation. Right? That's an example of that. Uh, another example is the one who sins openly or the one who commits nifaq. Uh, Allah, the Prophet wasallam said, and there are different words to this hadith, but the asal of the hadith or the origin of the hadith is in Sahih Muslim, 
And that is when the Prophet وسلم, was speaking about the one who is a believer and has sinned on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and how Allah will veil him on Yawm Al-Qiyamah and remind him of the sins that he committed. And then Allah will say that I covered those sins for you in the dunya and I will forgive them for you on this day. And then the Prophet وسلم, as for the disbelievers and the hypocrites, the munafiqoon, Allah will call them in front of all of the people. And Allah will say these are the ones who rejected what Allah had given to them. And in other narrations, it will be the one who sins. It is The word that is mentioned is the fujjar, the sinners. They will be brought forth and those, those who sinned openly. And Allah will say that this is the sin of, of such and such a person on that day. Uh, so that's another example of this. Uh, of, of this as well and also in the Quran the people of oppression the oppressors Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says concerning oppression on Yawm Al-Qiyamah he says that who is more oppressive more unjust than the one who ascribes lies to Allah Azza wa Jal those are the ones who will be presented to their Lord and all of the people will witness that these were the ones who lied or rejected or lied upon their Lord. Indeed, the curse of Allah is upon the oppressors. Um, and you have like others as well, like there are a number of, 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 of them that are mentioned uh, in the books of, of Hadith and the books of Sunnah and also from the verses of the Quran uh, as well. So the point of this was that, that this is something which Allah will make clear on Yawm Al-Qiyamah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring people forth on the Day of Judgment uh, everyone, that Allah will expose them in terms of their hidden intentions and what, what they concealed within their hearts but for some of those people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will humiliate them publicly and openly in front of all of creation So today inshallah ta'ala we continue with verse number 11 and that is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم والسماء ذات الرجع By the sky and its recurring rain. And that is the translation of Professor Abdul Harim. Uh, Sahih International, by the sky which sends back. Mufti Taqi, I swear, by the sky that rains. And Muhsin Khan, by the sky. And then brackets having rain clouds, close brackets, which gives rain again and again. Uh, from these translations, uh, the three translations, Dr. Dr. Abdul Halim, Professor Abdul Halim, Dr. Muhsin Khan, and Mufti Taqi, uh, they went with the meaning of the verse that the, many of the scholars of tafsir held. And that is that this verse refers to the rain clouds. Whereas Sahih International goes for the literal meaning, and that is the word that raja, raja. And they go with that meaning instead, which is to send something back. The sky which sends back. Um, the word raja, right, is comes from the same word as rujoo, and rujoo means to return. Right, rujoo is something which is returned, and therefore the word raja means something which is returned. Right, something which is returned. That's the literal meaning of the verse, or the literal meaning of the word was samai that raja, the sky or the heavens that bring or send something back or return back. What is it that's being returned back? This is where you will find uh, the scholars of tafsir have slightly different uh, positions. However, the majority of those positions or the majority of the scholars of tafsir held the position that you find in the majority of the translations that we just mentioned. And that is that it's referring to rain or it's referring to rain clouds. 
for example, the uh, companion Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhum, he said in the tafsir of this verse, was matar. He said that this verse by the sky that sends back, he said what it sends back is the rain. What it sends back is the rain. And we have a similar statement from uh, Mujahid, rahimullah ta'ala, the students of Ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhum, he said that sahabun yarji'u bil matar. It is the clouds that send back rain. It is the clouds that send back rain. And it's the same meaning, rain or the clouds that send back rain, because the rain comes from the clouds. Al-Hasan al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, uh, it is tarji'u bi arzaqin nasi kulla am. It sends back the provision of the people every single year. And Ikrima, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, raja'at bil matar. It returns with rain. And Qatada, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he said, وَالسَّمَاءِ ذَاتِ الرَّجْعَ تَرْجِعُ بِالْغَيْثِ كُلَّ عَامِ It returns with rain every single year. And so you can see here that this is the position of the majority of the scholars of tafsir, especially from amongst the early generations. And that is that the refer- reference that is being given here is that it returns back with rain. It returns back with rain. And by the way, this is now a new, uh, num- or a new set of oaths that is being taken in this surah. So we began the surah with oaths, وَالسَّمَاءِ وَالطَّارِقِ right? It begins with a oath or two oaths. And now Allah Azza wa Jal returns midway in the surah with more oaths. وَالسَّمَاءِ ذَاتِ الرَّجْعِ The wow at the beginning is wow al-qasim. It is the wow of an oath. As we said in the Arabic language, the wow and the ba and the ta, these are letters that are used at the beginning of a qasim. So when you say billahi or tallahi or wallahi, these are words of qasam, of oath. And so Allah Azza wa Jal is taking an oath again by the heavens. So there is repetition here, and we will speak about this in a short while. But there is repetition here because the surah begins with وَالسَّمَاءِ وَالطَّارِقِ And here it's now repeating وَالسَّمَاءِ ذَاتِ الرَّجْعِ So twice the heavens are invoked as an oath by Allah Azza wa Jal in this surah. And Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, that the verse was samai that raja refers to tarji'u bil ghuyuthi wa arzaq al ibadi kullam it returns with rain and the provision of people every single year and this was as we said the majority of the scholars of tafsir it's all of the statements that i mentioned to you ibn abbas qatada mujahid al hasan ikrima ali muhammadullah all of them essentially said what imam al tabari is saying and that is that it returns with rain the statement of al hasan which is incorporated by Imam al-Tabari in his tafsir. He doesn't necessarily go to uh, rain, but he goes to the arzaq, the provision that is given from the heavens. And again, this is something which we mentioned, I think, a number of times uh, we've repeated now. You can see this is actually a very good example of this principle that we've given before, and that is how uh, the scholars of tafsir, especially the old or the early scholars of tafsir, uh, they would give different statements or they would focus on different parts of the tafsir of the verse. So here we have three focuses that are mentioned in their statements. Number one is the cloud, number two is the rain, and number three is the provision. All of them are speaking about one and the same thing. And that is why Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, when he looked at all of these statements, he combined them. And he said that it refers to the rain and the provision that Allah Azza wa gives through the heavens every single year. The combination is because each of those three aspects are speaking about one and the same thing. So if you're speaking about the clouds, that is where the rain emanates from. It is where the rain by Allah's command comes from. 
the rain clouds when they form and they and they emerge and emerge, that is where the rain is going to come from. And then you have other scholars that focused on the rain itself. So it's not speaking about the clouds, where they're coming from by Allah's permission, but the actual rain itself, that that is what is being referred to. And then you have scholars like Al-Hassan al-Basri who refer to the end result, the end product, which is that rain will descend and it will fall upon the land and it will revive it and it will water people's crops and it will water people's uh, plants and their trees and so on. And from that, they will gain provision. Their food comes from that, that those crops and that land and those trees and those plants that they have, that they have uh, planted and that they will harvest after the rains have come by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's permission. And so he's looking at the end. And so it's a common mistake, as we mentioned before, that people will go to the books of tafsir and they will see these three different statements, one saying clouds, one is saying rain, one is saying rizq or the, the provision that comes, and they will say these are three different positions. So there are there is a difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir as to the meaning of this verse. And so there is, you know, the, the, the salaf, they differed. Has, uh, Al-Hassan said one thing, and Qatada said something else, and Ibn Abbas said something else. This is essentially what they're referring to. And as we can see, they're not necessarily differing. But what they're doing is that they're focusing on different aspects of one and the same thing. And that is how tafsir was often done in the time of the companions and the tabi'een and the third generation, the tabi'een, Ali Muhammadullah. This was something very common. And that's why it's important uh, when we go to tafsir, because there are books now of tafsir that only focus on the statements of the salaf. So they will bring to you only the statements of the salaf. And you have uh, books before that as well that have done that, like for example the tafsir of Ibn Abi Hatim and Abdul Razak, they just focus on the statements with not very much commentary. One of the benefits of going back to the tafsir of Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, and it's a tafsir that, you know, as we've said before, it is uh, underutilized and it is perhaps... Uh, and it is a shame, but it is perhaps not used by many people anymore because it's considered to be too big, too deep, too uh, you know, too too uh, too in depth, and so on and so forth. And so people will overlook it, and they'll go to later tafsirs. And sometimes the later tafsirs that they're going to won't necessarily contain that level of detail. So, for example, if you go to Ibn Kathir rahimahullah ta'ala, nowhere near does he go to the detail of these statements and these positions as Al Imam Al Tabari does, because Ibn Kathir has a different. Uh, objective from his tafsir, these statements of the Salaf have already been recorded. Ibn Kathir doesn't necessarily need to go over each and every single one of them in every single verse of the Qur'an. And so they have different objectives, the scholars of tafsir. One of the good points of Tabari's tafsir is that you can often see in the statements that he brings or in his own commentary or in the position that he chooses, that he's combining between a number of positions amongst the Salaf. And the fact that he's combining shows that either, number one, that there is no difference between them, meaning that they're speaking about different aspects of one and the same thing, or number two, that they are speaking in uh, the, the, the verses in general, but they just focus to give a specific example. They're giving an example of what is being referred to. So it's not an aspect of the process like it is here, but it's an example. So they say that so-and-so did this, or like Qarun did that, or Fir'aun did that, or Abu Jahl did that. And they're giving an example of what Allah Azza wa is referring to in the tafsir or in this particular verse. And so this is something which is important to remember and it's good to be reminded of as well. So Imam al-Tabri therefore chose the position that was the majority of the scholars of tafsir. However, there are other positions as well that are different to this first position that doesn't speak about rain, it is speaking about something completely different. 
And that is the statement that is mentioned by Ibn Zayd, rahimahullah, that he said that what it refers to, the returning of the heavens, is the shams, the qamar, and the nujum, the sun, moon, and the stars, because they return every so often. The sun sets, and then it returns. The moon during the day and the stars are, are covered and by the light of the sun and so on, and then they return in the evening and the night. And so he said that's what it's referring to. So now that is a different statement to the first one. It is a different statement to the first one because the first one is speaking about rizq and water and rain. And this one is speaking about the signs of Allah in the heavens from the sun, the moon and the stars. And then there is a third position also that is mentioned by some of the scholars of tafsir. And I couldn't find uh, who exactly said this from the early scholars, but it is mentioned in a number of the books of tafsir. For example, Abu Hayyan al-Andalusi rahimahullah ta'ala mentions this statement in his tafsir. He says that it's also said that a raj' refers to the malaika. That the people that are being referred to, or the raj' the return that is being referred to here, is the returning of the angels. Because they constantly return back to the heavens with the actions of the people. And so that's also a position that you will find in the book, some of the books of Tafsir, that is referring to the angels. And then returning back to the heavens with the actions of the people is something which is well established in the Sunnah. Ibn Qayyim ta'ala mentions four times that are mentioned in the Sunnah and the Quran uh, concerning the returning of the angels back to the heavens with the actions of the people. So the deeds that we do, good or bad, they are raised up to the heavens. And there are four different stages or four different occasions in which that is done, as is mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah. Ibn Qayyim mentions all four. The first of them is on a daily basis. And that daily basis is in the morning and the evening. Right? It is in the morning and the evening that the actions are raised to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and that is mentioned in the uh, in the uh, in, in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of Musa al-Ash'ari radiallahu an narrates that indeed Allah azza wa jal does not sleep nor is it befitting that he should sleep. He raises and lowers the scale. The nights, the actions of the night are raised up to him before the actions of the day and the actions of the day are raised up to him before the actions of the night. Meaning that at both times, day and night, those actions are raised. So what we have done today morning after Asr, those actions were raised up to Allah azza wa jal. And what we will do this night after Fajr, they will be raised back up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is when the hadith of Abu Huraira radiallahu an, the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that the angels take shifts amongst you. They have shifts amongst you of the morning and the evening. And those two shifts of angels meet at Salatul Fajr and Salatul Asr. Those two prayers. And by the way, that's why many of the scholars were of the position that the adhkar that you make, for example, of the day and the night, the adhkar of the morning and the evening, the morning time is after Fajr until sunrise, and the evening time is after Asr until sunset. And they base this upon this hadith, because that is the time that the actions are being raised to Allah, meaning that this is the time of the, of, that the Sharia gives of morning, and the time from the evening until the next morning. So the hadith continues that they meet together at those two prayers, Salatul Fajr and Salatul Asr. And then those that were here upon the earth, they ascend back to Allah Azza wa And Allah Azza wa asks those angels, and he's more knowledgeable than them, how did you leave my servants? And they reply, We left them as they were praying, and we came to them as they were praying. Right? And so that's the first occasion. On a daily basis, those actions are raised up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
The second occasion is on a weekly basis, on a weekly basis, and that is on the Monday and the Thursday, as the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hadith, that uh, the actions of the child of Adam or the children of Adam are raised up every Monday and every Thursday. Every Monday and every Thursday. And so Allah Azza wa Jal forgives upon those two days all of his servants who don't make shirk, who don't associate anyone with the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala إِلَّا مْرَأً كَانَتْ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ أَخِيهِ شَحْنَا Except for the person who has between him and a fellow brother, another Muslim, some type of enmity or hatred or ill feeling. And so Allah Azza wa Jal says, or it is said, أَنْذِرُ هَذَيْنِ حَتَّى يَصْطَلِحَا Leave these two alone, meaning leave their actions be, let their actions be, remain until they reconcile with one another, meaning that they're not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this shows the importance of this issue as well, of how actions are raised on Mondays and Thursdays. And in the other narration, the wording uh, in some of the narrations of, of, of the books of hadith, the Prophet wasallam said that the actions are raised up on Mondays and Thursdays, and that is why I fast on these two days, for I love that my actions should be raised whilst I am in a state of fasting. And as we know, these are sunnah days to fast, Mondays and Thursdays. And so therefore, Allah accepts people's actions and forgives people on those two days. But from the obstacles that prevent that from happening is the ill feelings that we have between each other. And so to forgive and to pardon and to overlook, it is something which is extremely uh, blessing or extremely uh, encouraged or extremely rewarding in the sharia. And it is something which we benefit from more than just the other person as well. Someone may have wronged us or harmed us. To forgive them is something which is good. And inshallah ta'ala, it is something which is extremely rewarding. So that's the second occasion on a weekly basis. The third occasion is on an annual basis. And that is here in the month of Sha'ban. In the month of Sha'ban, in the hadith of Usama ibn Zayd, radiyallahu anhuma, in the Muslim ibn Imam Ahmad, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi was asked by Usama, O Messenger of Allah, why is it that you fast so much in the month of Sha'ban? And he said, because this is the month that people are heedless of, because it falls between Rajab and Ramadan. Rajab, amongst the Arabs even before Islam, and even in Islam as we know, is something which was extremely, uh, uh, it was one of the sacred months, so it was something which was honoured by the Arabs, and therefore honoured by the Muslims, because Allah Azza wa confirm that ruling of the four sacred months and so people honor the month of Rajab and they consider the Rajab to be a blessed month and it falls between Rajab and Ramadan and Ramadan is obviously the month of fasting anyway so people are more likely to be engaged in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Sha'ban falls in between the two the Prophet said this is the month that people are neglectful of the heedless of because it falls between those two months and so therefore no one really looks at Sha'ban and the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ma huwa shahrun turfa'u fihi al-a'malu ila rabbil alameen and it is the month in which our actions are raised to Allah azza wa jal so I love that my actions should be raised whilst I am in a state of fasting and that is where it is mentioned as is in a number of hadith from them the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha our mother that she used to say that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would fast most of this month of Sha'ban I never saw him complete a month of fasting other than Ramadan and I never saw him fast a month the way that he fasted Sha'ban, meaning that he would fast much of Sha'ban. And in some wordings you see that she actually says that he would fast all of it. And it doesn't mean literally that he would fast all of it, but it means that he fasted so much of it, it's as if he fasted 
all of it. And so to fast the month of Sha'ban is something which is which is recommended and something which is good if a person can do so, not least because it helps a person to prepare for the month of Ramadan. So that's the third occasion. And the fourth occasion, as mentioned by Ibn Qayyim, is at the time of death when the record of deeds is sealed uh, and, and closed and it is raised up to the heavens. And so therefore, this principle that is being mentioned by some of the scholars that is referring to, this verse is referring to the angels, uh, that's something which you see has a basis within the Quran and the Sunnah, and that is why it was mentioned by some of the scholars of, of Tafsir. Uh, however, the position of the majority of the scholars, and as Ibu, Abu Hayyan himself said, that the position, or what is well known in the Arabic language, and the position of the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, is that the word Raja, that which returns or gives back, refers to waning. And so this is the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes an oath by the heavens. The question here is that we have now a repetition. A repetition where Allah Azza wa Jal began the surah by an oath with the heavens and now an oath that is mentioned midway in the surah again of the heavens. Ibn Ashur rahimahullah ta'ala he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after taking the first set of oaths that we said that the jawabul qasam for them or the reason for which the oaths were taken uh, for those first set of oaths was to establish the issue of resurrection innahu ala raj'ihi laqadir or as uh, as Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said um in kullu nafsin lamma alayha hafid that they will be upon each and every single person a witness and that they will ultimately therefore it's the same meaning that they thought they will ultimately be how to account on yawm al-qiyamah all of this is to establish as we said uh, in, in the previous few weeks these, the tafsir of the verses that we've done is to establish the principle of resurrection um, and therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the surah with this particular uh, particular issue or, or to establish this particular issue and that is the issue of resurrection here Allah now repeats the resurrection or repeats rather the oaths. There will be two oaths that are mentioned, the oath in this verse and the oath in the next verse concerning the earth. And then the jawabul qasam is given and that is that this statement or this word meaning the Quran is a word that is, uh, is it is a word that is decisive. It is a decisive statement, laqawlun fasal. And so therefore what Allah is taking these sets of oaths for is the truthfulness of the Qur'an, the truthfulness of the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And both of them, as Ibn Ashur rahimahullah ta'ala says, both of them are linked to the oaths that are being taken. And that is the oath of the heavens. So the heavens are mentioned at the beginning with its stars and all of its signs and so on to show the vast creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the vast power of Allah Azza wa and His ability and the beauty of everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done and his, 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 the fact that He is the creator, the Lord and sustainer subhanahu wa ta'ala and the one who can create in that way and the one who can, who can originate in that way and the one who has the power and ability to do so therefore also has the power and ability to resurrect as He chooses and pleases subhanahu wa ta'ala and the creation of the heavens and the earth the first time is more is not more difficult than the resurrection because to create something from a new 
without any template, without any, any similar creation beforehand, is usually harder than just to repeat that issue a second time. And Allah Azzawajal has the ability to do both, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so the oath of the sama, the heavens, for that purpose is, as we said before, something which shows the power of Allah Azzawajal and His ability when it comes to this issue of resurrection. And now Allah Azzawajal takes another oath, and that is the oath of the heavens again. But this time, focusing not on the issue of its signs and its beauty and its creation, because Allah Azzawajal speaks about the shooting stars, as we said, and Najmul Thaqib, you know, the, the stars and, and everything that, that is contained in the heavens. This time Allah Azzawajal is referring to the blessing and nourishment. Allah Azzawajal is referring to provision. And just as the rain gives provision and sustenance to the bodies because of the food that it helps to provide by Allah's permission, then likewise the Quran gives sustenance and nourishment to the hearts and to the souls because it is the statement of Allah Azzawajal, the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that give life to the hearts, give life to the soul. And so Allah Azzawajal mentions that here as well. And he says, uh, Ibn Ashur ta'ala says, وَذَكْرَ مِنْ أَحْوَالِ السَّمَاءِ مَا لَهُ مُنَاسَبَةٌ بِالْمُقْسَمِ عَلَيْهِ That Allah Azzawajal mentions different parts of the heavens, meaning different issues relating to the heavens. Number one was the stars and its creation and beauty and so on. And number two is the rain as we see here. Each one is appropriate to what Allah Azzawajal is taking an oath for. Here, وَهُوَ الْغَيْثُ الَّذِي بِهِ صَلَحُ النَّاسِ Here it is the rain that people need in order for themselves to be able to live. فَإِنَّ أَصْلَحَ الْإِصْلَاحَ الْقُرْآنِ لِلنَّاسِ فَإِصْلَاحِ الْمَطَرِ And indeed within, uh, just as, uh, just uh, and indeed within the rectification of the Qur'an for people, or the rectification that the Qur'an begins brings for people, and the righteousness that it brings, is like the rectification and the life that the rain brings when it descends into, uh, when it descends upon the earth. And likewise, he says, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, um, also it is linked to the, the two things that Allah Azza is taking an oath by are also linked. The first is resurrection and the second is the Quran. And so the resurrection is the person returning back to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala on Yawm Al-Qiyamah to be judged for their deeds. And that day people will be judged upon their soul and their heart and what they, their intentions and what they did for the sake of Allah Azza or didn't do uh, in, in terms of their religious obligations and so forth. And here Allah Azza is taking an oath by the Qur'an, and the Qur'an is the one that rectifies the person's dunya and akhirah, this life and the next. So the person who holds on to it will turn back to Allah Azza wa on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, coming, having held on to the Qur'an, uh, applied the Qur'an, believed in the Qur'an, followed the commandments and the teachings and the guidance of the Qur'an, and therefore they will have a resurrection that Allah Azza wa will make easy for them on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And so we see this repetition here, as Ibn Ashur ta'ala mentions, there is a link between the two. There is a link between the two. The first is concerning the issue of resurrection. The second is concerning the book of Allah Azzawajal, the Qur'an. And the Qur'an, no doubt, is something which uh, brings news of the resurrection. And so Allah Azzawajal begins the issue with the issue of resurrection because these are the things that the people used to reject, the, the Quraysh and the Arabs, didn't believe in resurrection and many people even today don't necessarily believe in resurrection in the sense that it should be believed in meaning in the way that a person will be judged in front of Allah and so on and so there are people who may believe in forms of resurrection incarnation and that kind of stuff they believe in, in that type of thing but resurrection 
that each and every single person will stand before Allah in body and soul and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold them to account for the deeds that they did in this life, everything in terms of their belief and their actions and they will be rewarded accordingly. That is a belief that most people don't have. It is something which is very unique to the Muslims. People believe in elements of it, like the Jews have an element that they believe in, the Christians an element they believe in. There are other religions that believe in a form of resurrection or incarnation. But the way that we as Muslims believe in Yawm Al-Akhir, the last day, and Yawm Al-Qiyamah, and the resurrection and the counting and so on, that isn't something that you will find is mirrored in many other religions and Allah Azza wa knows best. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins with that issue. And then Allah Azza wa also takes an oath by the Qur'an because he's saying that this Qur'an is true and decisive. And what it brings is only truth and it discerns between truth and falsehood so that everything that is contained therein and from amongst those things that are contained therein is the resurrection and the accounting and that people will stand before Allah Azza wa to be judged. That is something that should therefore be taken as the solid truth. People should believe in it and accept it as reality because the Qur'an brings it. And Allah Azza wa takes an oath by it and he says, as we will inshallah mention next week, This is a decisive statement. The Qur'an contains only the truth, it doesn't contain anything else. Uh, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen, <coughs> rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that the link between the two qasms, between the two oaths, and Allah knows best, is that in the first Allah Azza wa refers to the najm refers to the tariq which is the shooting star and as we know the shooting star is the one that is thrown at the devils that try to come and steal from the news of the heavens as mentioned in the quran and the sunnah and within that process or that the, within that throwing and casting of the stars towards those devils it is one of the means by which allah preserved the quran as we know when the prophet وسلم, was sent those angels or those devils rather were prevented from attaining the news of the heavens so that they couldn't come with the Qur'an, they couldn't hear the revelation of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so it was one of the ways that Allah Azza wa preserved reservation. Here, now in the second oath, the Shaykh says, Rahimahullah ta'ala, Allah Azza wa takes an oath by the heaven that brings back its rain. And by doing so, that this Qur'an is decisive. And so Allah Azza wa mentions that this is decisive. So the first Qasim is speaking about the preservation of the Qur'an, and the second qasm is to show that this Qur'an brings salvation, brings life and brings success to those people who, who, uh, who uh, go back to it. And within that word, he says, is also a clue. Because the word raj'ah, as we said, is something which recurs, returns over and over again. So rain comes back over and over again. So likewise, the Qur'an is given this meaning as well, meaning that you constantly go back to it. And this is a, a very nice tafsir, a very nice point that is being made here by the author or by the Shaykh, rahimahullah ta'ala, Shaykh Nathaymeen. And that is that just as the rain recurs, required, you don't just have rain once and you don't need it ever again. No, you need it every month, you need it every year, you need it every season in order for you to continue to live. So likewise, the Qur'an, also you need to turn back to continuously over and over again. You constantly need to go back to the book of Allah Azza wa It is like the rain that you constantly need and without it, you wouldn't be able to live. Without it, there would be no water. Without it, there would be no vegetation, no crops. Without it, people would, 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 would starve because of a lack of sustenance and provision. Then even more so with the Quran. If you don't continuously return to it and take from its guidance and reflect upon it and contemplate over it and take from its lessons and guidance and, and principles, then likewise you won't be able to find salvation or find guidance to Allah Azza wa You won't find contentment and peace 
because you have neglected the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And every sensible, sane, intelligent person knows the need of rain. The need of rain and how important there is just for the function of life upon earth. Then likewise, the intelligent and sensible Muslim knows that for them, the Quran plays a more important role in terms of their, their heart and their soul and its rectification and its righteousness by Allah's permission. In verse number 12, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues and he gives us a, or he mentions another oath. And he says subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَالْأَرْضِ ذَاتِ الصَّدْعِ وَالْأَرْضِ ذَاتِ الصَّدْعِ By the earth that cracks open. That's the tafsir or the translation of Professor Abdul Harim in Sahih International, by the earth which splits. And Mufti Taqi, the earth that cracks open. And Muhsin Khan, and the earth which splits, and then in brackets with the growth of trees and plants. So Allah Azza then takes another oath here, and this time by the earth. And Ibn Abbas has said that the word sada refers to vegetation or plants. And this was also mentioned by a number of the scholars. In fact, the majority of the scholars with tafsir uh, said this, such as Saeed ibn Jubair and Ikrimah and Al-Dahaq and Al-Hassan and Qatada and many others. And this is what Imam Al-Bukhari also mentioned in Sahih in his tafsir, in his book of tafsir. He said, that the earth cracks open and it gives life. And this oath, therefore, shows it is it is an extension of the previous oath because that rain comes, and that's why some of the scholars said that the raj refers to provision, as we said, because the earth comes and Allah Azza then takes an, the rain comes rather, and then Allah takes an oath Subhanahu wa Taala by the earth that cracks open, meaning that it cracks open, revealing its shoots and its plants and its vegetation, and so therefore by it it gives sustenance. So likewise, the Quran, the Quran when a person continues to take from it, it is like the rain that falls in their heart. It is sustenance and provision and it cracks open the heart, meaning it softens it and allows for Iman to flourish within it and to grow and therefore they benefit by coming closer to Allah Azza wa Jal. And the word as means to crack open. And then the scholars have you know different positions as to what it refers to, what is it that's cracked open or what's, what's emerging from those cracks upon the earth. So the position, as we said, of the majority is as referring to vegetation, and they said that that is because it links closely to the meaning of rain. So it makes sense that the rain and vegetation, because the two are connected together. However, you will find others said something different. Different. For example, Mujahid, Taala, he said that it refers to the cracks are referring to a turuq التي تصدعها المشاه. It is the paths and the roads that people who walk upon it make, because if you tread upon a path or a road or a single place over and over again, it essentially becomes a road because of the many feet that travel upon it consistently. Ibn Juraj said something similar. He said, It refers to the valleys upon the earth because the earth is full of them. The earth is full of valleys. Those are the cracks that are being referred to. And others said it's referring to the dead. The dead because they will, the earth will crack open and they will stand on Yawm Al-Qiyamah from their graves from uh, the earth. And so therefore that's what it's referring to. So these are other positions that you will find, but as we said, the majority of the scholars with tafsir said that it refers to an nabat or vegetation and plants and so on. And that is what Imam al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala said. He said that it refers to the an nabat to the vegetation. And Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that this is another oath that Allah Azza takes. And that is that from the rain that comes the earth, cracks open with vegetation and trees and fruit and and river. 
and he said that the statement of Allah Azza wa Jal means a shak, it means to crack open, and so therefore it is something which is connected to the previous oath in the previous verse of the rain that comes from the heavens. Uh, Shaykh Ash-Shanqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that what the Qur'an points towards is that the raj' and the sab' are two linked issues when it comes to the heavens and the earth. So if the first one refers to rain, as we said, then the second one refers to the uh, the vegetation that comes. As Allah Azza wa says in Surah Abasa, أَنَّا صَبَبْنَا الْمَاءَ صَبَّا ثُمَّ شَقَقْنَا الْأَرْضَ شَقَّا فَأَنْبَتْنَا فِيهَا حَبَّا وَعِنَبًا وَقَضْبًا وَزَيْتُونًا وَنَخْلًا and so on and so forth. Allah Azza wa says that we cause the rain to pour forth and then we cause the earth to crack open and then it came every single type of seed or plant and then Allah Azza wa gives examples of those plants within Surah Abasa. And so Shaykh Muhammad Al-Amin is saying that this is the way that the Quran speaks about this issue that the rain brings forth vegetation upon the earth and so therefore the two are linked. The two are linked and so that seems to be the position, and as we said, that is the position of the majority of the scholars of Tafsir. Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that in both of these, in both of these issues, or in both of these qasims, whether it's the qasim of uh, the qasim of of the first one of the of wasamai tariq or this qasim now, this oath of wasamai that raj, he said in both of them there is also the evidence of resurrection. Both of them point towards resurrection. Because as we said in the first one, Allah Azza wa Jalla is speaking about resurrection. He mentions that openly and clearly, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in the second one, as we know, rain, one of the things that it does and one of the examples that is often mentioned in the Quran for resurrection, one of the evidences, is the way that life is given back to dead plants. So how life comes back to the earth after it has dried up. So in the winter, in the autumn, and the winter when the plants die and the trees die and they lose their leaves and so on. And then in the spring and the summer, how they come back to life, that is a common example that is given by Allah Azza wa throughout the Quran of life returning and how Allah Azza wa if that is possible with the trees and the plants and so on, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the power and the ability to do it with humankind as well. And so he says, Ibn Ashur rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that even within this one, there is a connection between the two then. So that even in both of them, Allah Azza wa is speaking about the issue of al-ba'ath. He's speaking about the issue of Al-Ba'ath um, and this is why as we will see next week uh, there is a slight difference of opinion as to what the truly decisive statement is referring to so in this in the next verse verse number 13 as we will see inshallah ta'ala uh, some of the scholars or many of the scholars were the position that it's referring to the Quran but some of them said no actually we're still speaking about resurrection so what Allah Azza wa is taking another oath for is to show another evidence for the issue of resurrection because that is the main theme that the surah is speaking about, the uh, proofs and evidences of resurrection. Another scholar said, no, that the surah came to bring two objectives or to highlight two central messages of, 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 of Islam, the first being resurrection and the second being the truthfulness of the Qur'an, uh, the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is, inshallah ta'ala, something which we will see or go into, inshallah ta'ala, next week in more detail, bi'ithnillah ta'ala. So if there are any questions, inshallah ta'ala, we'll take a couple of questions. If not, then inshallah ta'ala, we will conclude for today. Okay, so if there's no questions, inshallah, then we will conclude, bidnillah ta'ala. 
uh, and inshallah ta'ala we will continue next week wa sallallahu wa sallam ala bina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa sallamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh